I cannot Shorty. see you, Willie. Shorty, I'm right here. I know. I hear you. There you are, but you're fuzzy. And it's not your beard either. It's kind of fuzzy. Look at my hair. You can't see it. Can you see my hair? It's real fuzzy. <laughs> I need a haircut. Yeah, it says 0% uploaded. Uh, yeah, what's that mean? Means I'm not uploading. We had a. Oh no! A, oh no! Now right. I'm rocking and rolling. Now I'm 99 percent uploaded. <laughs> yeah, maybe that will help. I was gonna say we had a cloud come over yesterday and dump a bucket of water on us, which was awesome. Much appreciated. Good Lord, turned the sprinklers on, and we got two inches out of it yesterday. And it, there's more around. So. so does it put a damper on internet service when that happens? You know what? Oh, Elon pretty much has it figured out, and I don't know. It it, it can, but uh, the Starlink, it stays pretty good, even through the worst of storms. But I was thinking there that maybe something happened. I'm it thinking I'm going to go ahead and pull a trigger on that Starlink this fall. I upload well, a lot of videos and stuff onto my Patreon page, and I can't do that, and my wife can't watch her TV at the same time. Nah, therein lies the incentive. Yeah, Rose yeah. can't watch the TV, so no. She, you, if you get you them on board, you can spend something? what you want. Are you downloading right? something? Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm ninety nine percent uploaded. Oh no, that's yeah. what you're. Uh, she's telling you that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Oprah ain't coming through good, huh? No, no. No, so well, and that plus uh, to kind of address some of the latency issues that we've had on here, I think. So that'll we'll get something figured out. I think I'll probably go ahead and get that here this fall. You, you, you so what's going like on in your world right these now. days, Willie? What's well, we're just. I think we made everybody mad because we don't have a guest this week. So. um my world is, my world is is uh, head down and ass up and clicking along in the shop and loving every minute of it. To be honest, uh, the uh, the challenge Mister Skinner has put on me to forty hour forty billable hours a week. Um, it's all it scared the crap out of me to begin with. Kind of made me mad. Somebody told me I hadn't needed to work harder. I didn't appreciate that. So I went to work and I started working harder and uh it's something that it's been it's been an actual real delight Carrie and and I will say that so I was, I've been trying to do a budget and I I put all my put all my expenses out there you know and tracking all of this and looking at it and I could not figure out how in the world I was going to cut expenses to actually start saving any money or doing this and doing that and it was like this budget thing was really kicking my butt. And then Mike said, you don't have a spending problem, dude. You got a working problem. Well, I'm in here 12, 13 hours a day. He said, yeah, well, that's not enough. And we hear the stories about CEOs and successful people of how much they work and how much they're committed to what they're doing. I'm like, all right, I get it. He's probably right. And if I can work a little extra and if I can go from 25 to 30 hours a week to 40 hours a week, and bid my work properly and get paid for it, that budget will be a lot easier to figure out. Um, so away I've gone. That's what's going on in the shop. And I, and uh, it's not affecting my family. Uh, I'm balancing all that out, making sure I take care of the family. I don't want to be that guy that just works all the time. And I wake up and my wife and children are all gone. I don't want that either at all. So doing hard to keep that working. But, yep. Long, long story there just to say working and loving it. Well, question. What something had to go, though. What had to go? What what did you offload from your plate in order to get that 40 billable hours? Which finger did you cut off to do that? You know what? I don't think I cut anything off. And you're going to say, well, what the hell? The, the, there's two things that have been changed dramatically. 
I used to have a hard start time and a hard stop time. I started at the certain time. I was very schedule oriented and, and, uh, that has become fuzzy. There's been, there's, there's usually two or three days out of the week that I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning and coming to work. I, I didn't, so I can start earlier and not affect the family. I know I, I told you I didn't want to upset the family balance and, and time with my girls. So, so if I start earlier, that means there's, they're asleep. They don't care whether I start at four o'clock or three o'clock. They're, they're asleep. So I can get an extra hour in by getting up an hour earlier. And then the stop time, uh, Six o'clock, seven o'clock isn't that big a deal. So, so that right there is, is Katie's working at the, at the pizza joint and, and staying gone till eight or eight thirty a lot of nights. So I'm getting an extra hour in there. Now, the part that's in the middle of the day is simply becoming more efficient with the tasks I'm doing. If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to read emails, don't get caught off reading a hunting email. It doesn't matter. Delete the damn thing and move on. And so efficiency in the middle of the day, start a little earlier, work a little longer in the end of the day, but not that much more. If I, I mean, you, you take two hours a day, beginning and end, an hour in the beginning, hour in the end, five days a week. That's 10 hours. There you go. Right there. Mm-hmm. So, well, that's given me motivation. I'm I'm always away from being able to get chin that bar at forty hours a week. Um, anyway, told you a moment ago, it's it's not the money that's the big motivator for me. I guess I'm not never been the big money guy. I, I'd have been doing something different if money would have been. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, neither one of us did this for an the engineer money. And, and made a hundred thousand dollars a year and and live life yep. in a cubicle if money was important. But uh, but the mo- motivator is to get work out for people. And I'm so far mm-hmm. behind. I'm just, I'm like you. I'm just so far behind on what I told people and, and stuff. And what I, I don't know that I made a bunch of promises, but anytime you open your mouth, oh, I think I'm three years behind. Well, people remember that, and that's gospel to them. Yeah, they- so. So, so yep. you have to be careful what you say, even though it may not come out in your mind as a promise. So trying to get on track with getting work out for people in a expedient amount of time. So that's, that's a big motivator for me, but, uh, the, you're right. It's, you know, it, something, it, it's the value it comes down to how much value there is within each hour. Um, and I think it's, yep. it's easy to take that all for granted. Like you say, you start looking at a, you get tangled up in Facebook and you look at all the clickbait stuff on there and you, and, mm-hmm. it, and, and you're sorting out what you're doing is you're sorting out and determining what is important and what is merely interesting. It all comes yes. down to that. Doesn't phone it? conversations. Yeah. Phone conversations, emails, um, just distractions within the shop, right? Yep, um, yep. What what needs to be done now, and what can be done later? What can be built, and what can't be built? Um, I have I have an an asset in the shop with Eli. Eli, can you do this? Do that? You know, um, th- those things are are making a big difference. A big difference in cool. the. The, the boxes that are getting checked by having productivity in the shop, it, you're right, Carrie. It's not just monetarily. Um, we both would have chose a different route had we just been concerned about money. But both of us, too, want to make as much money as we can doing what it is that we do. So um, planning and producing are, 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 are big, big reasons that we're going to be able to make a living doing this. So, uh it's quite the deal. There's something that's come up that 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 Mike and I will work on moving forward. is is a business plan, like planning for the next year, what orders I'll be able to get to, what they're going to bring in monetarily, 
Um, cause you, you, it's all in general, right? I mean, you, we have ideas and it'll all be ideas and it'll be flexible and sometimes we'll do it and sometimes we won't. But, uh, um, you know, that these are all things that I've never done before. Never even thought about just what was ever at the tip of my nose order wise. I mean, I, I planned on different things and I always promise things. Oh yeah, I'll get to it. But mostly I was just talking, I think, cause I, I, I there was no plan on how to get there. Well, now we're going to start to create a plan on how to get there. And uh, that's going to be interesting to me. <laughs> me well, I'm, I'm getting closer to that, too. Uh, uh, I know right now I got four projects. Uh, some are actually underway as we speak for next year's TCA show. I've never, ever started this early. Wow. And I started probably two months ago. I started even right. before this year's show even happened, and I'm already got. I got a tree ordered. I got. I've pretty well got it all. The saddle all lined out in my head, and uh, also three other projects uh, that I'm pretty excited about. So, in a sense, I mean that's that's a business plan, right? That's that's work that'll be yeah. begin now and and extend into next year. So. So I'm I'm getting closer to that, and uh, I feel really good about that. It's motivating when you feel like you're making headway on things, and and then yep. you you're able to achieve a certain momentum when you get that. And it's a drag when you don't have momentum, and that you're, that's what you're experiencing. You've got some momentum going. You got a motivation mm-hmm. deal going. Yeah, yeah. If if I if I have hope and a direction to go, like I'm accomplishing something, man, I'm all in. Like, this is cool. Now, if yep. I'm if I'm working my tail off and going backwards, getting beat up in the middle of it, well, screw that. That ain't no fun. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's... And, and, gotta, it, and it, it plays into my... It, it plays into my hand of, of creating one-of-a-kind pieces too, right? This is allowing me to do more of what it is that I actually want to do. The custom one-off piece is is having a business plan that benefits that desire um, is exciting to have as well. Where I, I I hadn't had it, you know. I just I don't know why, but I hadn't thought I did, but I didn't. You know that one of the switches that ha- <clears throat> excuse me happens at some point is is you get to you've heard this before. You've heard me say this before. I think. Is you get to where, uh, to use a sports analogy, you're playing to win as opposed mm-hmm. to I'm playing in order to avoid losing. Big and difference. I really thought for, I thought for all these years that I was playing to win, right? Charging and me and you've had all these conversations for all this time. And the further I get into this, the more I'm kicking myself in the butt because I, I was, the whole attitude of what do I need to make in order to pay my bills is an attitude to not lose. But but now having 40 hours a week and what it is that I can produce regardless of what I need, but what can I produce? You have to know what you need, right? I mean, you, you're, we go through the P&L and the balance sheet and the cash flow every month to see what it is, to see whether we're making or not. But that's not the focus. The focus is on what is it that you can do, not what you have to do? What are you capable of? And and uh, and and forty hours a week—that's that's a major ingredient in in that game plan. And and uh, man, that's it's fun. Like I, it really is. I'm enjoying it. Yep. Well, it, it's uh, but it's kind of an evolutionary process. You don't just walk over and throw a switch and you get there. Um. No, I mean, I'm, the last two months have been a blur for me. I've got some out of town trips. Of course, one of them was to Oklahoma City. Had a full weekend last weekend with all my kids in town and stuff. And and uh, so I mean, it, it's just all been sliced up. That makes it really hard to get that mojo back, that momentum back, and and get to feeling like, hey, I'm I'm playing to win here. This is all cool stuff, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, it, it makes me think of uh, Adrian Kittrich's uh, analogy where 
you, you've got kind of these two two ladders, two tracks. One is profitability, the money aspect of things, and the other one is creativity and productivity. Mm-hmm. Well, they one feeds upon the other. Uh, and we don't yep. have a visual here to show how she described that, but she but imagine kind of uh, you know two trees perhaps. Uh, you're you're climbing on one and and you you've got to get over to the other one and that that boosts things up a little bit higher and then and you're bringing the other one along it's it's a symbiotic relationship between the two tracks one feeds well, the other the money end of it that, and the creativity and productivity that's a lot of what you're talking about that's exactly what I'm saying that's what I'm experiencing right and, and I'll tell you something else like the old human mind and and um what we think we're capable of doing, you know, the special forces, the SEALs, they say our body can do way more than we ever put it through. And so you, you have to push that to, to, you have to push yourself to see what you're capable of. Well, so I started doing 40 hours a week and, and talking a lot about how to balance life with those 40 hours a week. You can't just ignore life, right? You, you, you have to take care of life. And that's what I'm talking about with my family and things and, and, there's things as a CEO that I have to do in my business that I don't get to charge for. Doing a podcast with you is a CEO move. It's marketing and branding, telling my story, sharing my life with with the world. Well, I don't get to charge for this. Well, so I started, but I started doing the forty hours, and and I'm talking to Mike about this, and he says, "Well, maybe you ought to think about four ten hour days." Well, there ain't no way, dude. Like, I don't like this. I need to, um, I have to, I want to take care of life when life happens. Um, and, and a 10 hour day is just dang near, like, I don't, I don't ever see that happening. That's what's going through my mind. And I don't exactly articulate it that negatively, Mike, but that's what's going through my mind. And and since then I have told him because guess what? I was done at seven o'clock Friday morning last week and had 42 hours. And the 10 hours a day is starting to happen. I never thought that would happen, but, and I wasn't really trying. I'm just learning how to be more efficient with my time and, and stay focused on what it is that I need to be doing that that's billable and take care of life too. 10 hours a day is starting to happen. So what I'm trying to say here is, is don't limit yourself as you go about this stuff, believing you already know what's going to happen. You really don't. Uh, I'm still learning day by day on how to be efficient and what needs to happen and uh, where the business can go. Um, don't don't cut yourself short before you get started. Well, learning begets so, so learning. Don't cut yourself short. Yeah, learning begets learning. So it's it's a similar deal with this. You you want to you want to juice your brain. You want to get things going. You just start learning a little bit, a little bit more. And, and then, so you're just, you're climbing this ladder, you're building, you're building a foundation and then you just keep stacking stuff onto it. And, uh, well, that's what, then, then the process just comes in, becomes a natural process. You're not trying to pull Mm -hmm. a rabbit out of the hat. And that's Mm -hmm. where I'm at. I'm, I'm going to make a dedicated effort here to try to get 32 hours billable a week and then. And then we'll see where that goes. And, and, uh, cause that, that to me, I think is within reach. I can do this. And once I get mm-hmm. some confidence and momentum with that and then, and start managing things better than I have been, <clears throat> then, uh, and who knows that 40 hours is going to seem a lot more achievable. Well, it, and it's, it's taking it in small bites, right? And I've been led this way, just little small bites, little bit at a time. And, and Mike has been uh, tactful and and moving me along here. You you can't just eat the whole hamburger in the first bite, right? You got to kind of start nibbling at it. And as you get to chewing, well, then you get your muscles worked up and away you go. And and uh, I, I, I think you're smart. Say, so, hey, let's, let's do 30... 32 hours, right? That's basically five hours a day or six hours a day and an extra hour here or there if you do five days a week. And I, I, I'm not one to want to, I'm going to, 
I I want to play, right? I don't want to just be live my life in the shop. I want to go have fun. I want to play. I want to hunt and fish and be with my family and and uh, I want to live life. But that means in order to play and still get my stuff done, I just have to be efficient at the beginning of the day and get my stuff taken care of and, and plan. So a little bite at a time, and and then and then shoot, no telling what we'll do. We get used to it, like you said. But so you got. You got a a bit that uh, we talked about before we clicked on record here that is, Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that bridle bit, Jim Edwards mouthpiece, I think you said. Well, yeah, Shanks. So another, another example of me playing in the Western contemporary, Western performance, contemporary Western performance horse world and, uh, and doing my best to, uh, to really dive off into that market and, and show that world, which that's from Yellowstone down, right? I mean, there's, there is a ton of people out there and the custom makers like you and I haven't done a very good job of, of, uh, articulating what can be done with that style of bit. Um, we've done a real good job of, uh, myself taking a, a California style shank that is, way fun and and don't get me wrong there's 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 performance horse world that is that is using some of that but um it's not something you're readily going to find at the feed store or in the training pen is is it's 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 not used a lot so i'm i'm gone out there and uh and taking the trainer's bit that he bought from jim or the feed store or wherever they go and 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 making it really really fancy um taking you you can't change the canvas up too much right is if the guy is is a man or woman the trainer is is using the bridle bit in the practice pen um they don't want to totally change the weight the balance the function of the thing they want it to be honestly exact i would think they would want it to be exactly the same i did as a mm-hmm. roper is i wanted to use what it is that i was playing with in the show ring mm-hmm. so in the in the rodeo or wherever so um I've taken a basic a basic canvas and then started playing with some of the things that you and I talk about, lines and just small minor deviations that make a huge difference in in the visual impact of the piece. And yeah, this little bit, it's built for Brumballs, um, the Cowtown Collection um show that's gonna happen next Thursday uh next yeah, Thursday on the second. And and uh do what we can to create some visual impact. See what they say. Uh, I, uh, that is going to just rock the you, place. I promise you. And I encourage people to take a look at some of Wilson's social media and you'll see it on there. And uh really, really cool piece. Uh, a question I have on that. So, so within that performance horse world, you, you're turning the, your rings at the bottom of the shank for your reins what's Mm -hmm. what's tell me the story on that i've seen it before but never used a bit that way but what what do we gain with that what's the functional well so so to 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 i should have jim on here to truly expound about what all that does but um, there's a lot of different things that can happen there Um, but it is entirely function um it is meant for um how do i where do i start there's some lateral there's some lateral um flexibility to it now this is a solid jawed shank so the the shanks don't move in or out you know what i mean they're they're they 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 don't swivel what a lot of them are doing and is some rainers and is uh, i think the cutters may be doing it too is they will Take a split rein, a leather split rein, and rather than having a connector, a loose moving connection between the bit and the reins, is they're slitting the end of the reins, running the bit through it, the whole shank, the the ring, everything, sliding the the slit of the of the reins up onto the shank, and then running the tail end of the reins back down through the ring. So it's an immediate connection between rider and the horse's mouth. Like there's no moving parts. The signal is mm-hmm. immediate. 
Mm-hmm. So in a controlled environment and in and with a minimal amounts of hand movement, signal is is given to the horse immediately. It's a direct connection. It's a more direct connection to what's going on. So um if that makes sense. Like so if you have a if you have a, a ring connector to a ring and you move your hand, there's going to be movement in that before the horse feels uh, the, the, how do I explain this? It's it's in a controlled environment, in a perfect environment. Um, the more movement have, the more signal you have in the bit before the before the bit engages. This mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. that you barely have to move your hand, and the bit starts to engage. I'm not going to say that's great for every every rider, but in a controlled environment, in a show ring where you're trying to make the horse perform with no signal whatsoever, right? I mean, it appears that you're not doing anything, but you're actually controlling every move of the horse. This makes it a little easier. Um, I'm sure that's not exactly how Jim would say it. And he could probably go on forever and he may listen to this and you waterhead, you just messed it all up. But that's my interpretation (laughs) of what's going on. Well, it, the the overarching it's, theory—it's it, not it's, something. It sounds it's sound. I mean, the more more linkages, I guess, in this chain, then then mm-hmm. more right. Then then uh, you're taking away some of that feel, that direct connection that you talk about. So exactly, exactly, exactly. There's also the argument that that you could say that the more moving parts you have, the more signal there is, and and the more time the horse has to feel the signal before the bit engages. And as, as I was a jackpot dally team roper and hanging my head between the ears of the horse and trying to go fast and this and that, you didn't have exact hand placement and foot placement and things that you should, but it, in reality, I, it wasn't always there. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm thinking this might not be the best, the best environment for a bit like that. Now, are there guys that could do it? Absolutely. There's there's guys that could ride their horse, especially in the show ring, right? Um, where time wasn't as big a factor, um, they could make it happen. But well, let's talk about the canvas. You talk about the canvas on that cheek piece, so it's a very very traditional looking uh, canvas surface of the outside of the cheek and stuff. And and first of all, I want to compliment you on that on that the the over you got some silver overlay you got a a concho with some what 14 gauge gold on uh right there at the mouthpiece uh on the yeah. shank and, yeah, and above and below gold. that you've got a a uh a, a a curve uh kind of uh opposite curves going on uh once again you're gonna have to take a look at that online and to see what i'm referring to but uh Wow. And you talk about complementary lines, harmony, uh, compatibility, the use of line. You got the, the line of the shank and you got a line, a complementary line of the, the, the silver, uh, canvas itself. I'm, I'm not talking about the decoration. I'm just talking about the overlaid, the contrast of the silver overlaid onto the shank and all the, how all those lines fit. You said that you wanted to you wanted impact from somebody seeing this from across the arena, and I can tell you, brother, you <laughs> you got that going. That's that's you don't have to be very close to appreciate the beauty and harmony, compatibility of the uh, use of lines in this piece. Well, that's the whole. You know, so to begin with, the focus of the bridal bit, in my opinion is around the mouthpiece, right? That's the, that's, mm-hmm. that's what's in the horse's mm-hmm. mouth. That's a fulcrum point. Um, I want my focus of a bridle bit to be around in that area. And, and if we don't start the impact from across the arena, if it's all worried about how cool we do a scroll or a leaf, um, then we've, we've missed, we've missed a huge opportunity. And, so I, with the silver and the lines of the shank, you know, it's kind of a, it's this little, um, it, it, Nevada shank. It's, it's a contemporary Western performance horse style shank that's 
a lot of people are doing. But so it's simple. But those lines, that curve of the line is 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 graceful. And so to complement those lines with the silver and create balance, right, from from the top of to the bottom and, and I try to drive the eye around that mouthpiece and the concho that's on the mouthpiece was was extremely important to me. And 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 so yes, uh, that that's what happens. That's why the, the curves and the silver complement each other. They're opposing curves, a bit of a mirror image in a way. Um but but create interest around that mouthpiece and then the little bitty concho right so this is this is a little bitty it's it's not it's a a one inch concho is now we have to drive attention to that so by by using the color of the 14 karat gold a little bit of inlay behind it a little bit of pinstripe inlay behind it and usually you see the larger so it's a thick line thin line usually the i've done the thin line as the gold and the wider line as the as the silver um, well, I switched that around and did the wider line as gold, thin line in silver, um, create some contrast there, drive people again to the center, put the gold in the center, only in the center. It's no place else on the bridle is to drive the attention there. And then one other small little element. So that concho that's on it is actually steel. So most of the time we do it out of silver. Well, I wanted to put a lid. There's a lot of silver right there in the center. So I wanted to put a little bit of steel in the background somehow in the concho and then put a big um scroll overlay of with a flower of of 14 karat gold now when i say big that's a high, a half inch in diameter right it's a little bitty small canvas that i want there mm-hmm. with a little bit of background to the steel and then you take the outside flange of the concho and I wanted to create texture and dimension within there. So again, by cr- creating dimension and texture, it drives the eye even harder in there because the interest of the of the contrasting shapes and levels that are going on in the middle of that bit. So um, I did a half round silver wire closest up to the dome of the concho and then a silver wire rope around the outside edge of that. And uh, I, th- there's a lot going on in a little bitty thing right there. and, and uh, Thank you for, I mean, I, I totally expect you to, to understand and see all that, what I just described there, because you're doing it on your saddles and all, but um, yeah, most people probably don't get to hear that dissertation on <laughs> why why we do all that. And it's, that's very important, right? I mean, I hadn't even said anything about the engraving, because honestly, it doesn't really matter. If I haven't accomplished all that other stuff, um, the engraving engraving is not is not going to be seen because the guy across the arena is like ah eh, just a bit well it's not just a bit um, by doing all those other things that you're talking that I described there. Well, I got but, uh, yeah. The engraving here, was here's my too. takeaways on on the whole thing, and I and like I said, there's there's so much harmony compatibility. All people hear me say that stuff all the time and whatnot, but within that and and lit, if without having seen the bit people probably kind of get tangled up in your description if they're trying to imagine what's going on and it and so it mm-hmm. it may become abstract complicated but what i think a lot of people kind of get yep. tangled up with is in order to do great work it's got to be complex and uh, there is a lot of stuff going on there yeah, on no. that bit when you get your nose down in there pretty close but but the reality is the lines are really simple, super simple. Exactly. And and when so, when a, a line is is simple, it becomes coherent. We don't yeah. have to understand this. We don't have to have a college degree. We don't have to have a degree in art to get it. Anybody that sees this will immediately, instantly understand it. And that's that's what I'm trying to do with my work is come up with that that coherent that that is that is so can be so compelling and when you combine that with the harmony of the lines you got a winning combination so uh, is simply elegant not the most difficult thing that we have to accomplish it is i think and especially with humans we tend to complicate things i mean that's mm-hmm. our nature we think we we overthink things some more than others <laughs> I'm guilty mm-hmm. of that. In my Me work, too. I'm trying to get simpler and uh, encouraging my students, my Patreon people, 
don't don't think you got to be complicated you complicate things you overcomplicate things and and uh life just gets hard and you make it hard for your your customers your potential customers to 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 understand it to find that coherence and appreciate the harmony compatibility all that kind of stuff it 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 is i'm constantly trying to figure out how to put less scrolls in an area bigger leaves right and 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 make it to where it's easily seen um that is, and I, what I described probably sounded very complicated. Like you said, I, like the different textures and all the different things that are going on in my brain, um, to try to tell a very simple story, right. That anybody can see, you can start to see it mm-hmm. from across the arena. And, and do I have a microscope? I got that sunbuck turned up as high as I can to do what it is that I do, but I don't want you to have to have a microscope to see it and articulate what's going on. And, uh, you know, it, it and, and so it, it, that's extremely important. And you're in a show ring um, in the middle of the arena. Nobody's in there with you. You're all by yourself. Well, that, that, that bit, if it's going to be an accoutrement, it's going to be a, an enhancement to your, to your visual impact in the arena. People, it's got to be able to sparkle, right? And not just silver, yeah. it's the contrasting mm-hmm. colors and all that. So. Well, congratulations on a very, so very nice piece. Said, I, it was awesome. I, I, I'm going to go revisit that a picture of that and absorb as much as I can out of that piece. Well, it's a, it's a $9,000 price tag on the cute little booger, too, that's so simple. And it takes a lot of time to execute what all it is that I did there. Um and the, the Grandmasters class was huge with Damian Connolly back in August. Y'all heard me talk about um, execution of the design. Uh, was able uh, I was able to do some things there that uh, not as clean. I mean, I, that was cleaner than I've ever done before. It, 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 when I say not as clean, uh, that other stuff wasn't not as clean. This, this is a clean soldering job and, and some things that was way fun. And, he didn't teach me soldering. Taught me how to clean up things, clean up messes, right? And that's that. That's what's happened here, for sure. So, but you bring up something harmony, and and I want you to articulate a little bit and give a dissertation like I did. But we talk about leaf structures, and and you know I didn't even, I didn't say anything about the engraving, but in my opinion, Carrie, the the engraving on on the pieces the the tooling that you do is secondary to the lines and the textures and the canvas that we create on our pieces but that engraving that tooling those leaf structures the flow of what's going on inside of those canvases um that's the next level right that's the next thing that has to happen too i'm gonna break it all the way down to a simple line and and a simple leaf, less one leaf. And we have tons of leaves on our things, but what's your thought process? I mean, do you see leaves that don't have harmony? I know you do. What creates harmony? What, what doesn't create harmony? Well, first of all, I, I take a look at the, the air, the space to be filled and what does that shape have? And you and Mm -hmm. I were in Ron Smith's class, the great gun engraver, when was that? Mm-hmm. That's been a long oh, time five. ago now. Eight, oh, five. oh five. Holy cow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I was that old. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. But uh, <clears throat> he said something that he couldn't really unpack it, but he said all of the areas to be filled on a firearm or a bit or a saddle or whatever, whatever it is you're, you're decorating, has a personality. So we're all bob our heads and yep, yep. Yeah, that's right. And, and, and we did, I mean, we did understand that, that, that it does have a personality. So my job here lately is try to figure out what constitutes the personality. What questions do we, it's like having a conversation with a person. You start asking questions, where, where were you raised? Uh, where did you go to school? You know, what do you, what do you do for a living? What's, what's going on with your family? Do you have a family? All that kind of stuff. You have to have a conversation with this piece. And of course, this is within an inanimate object. So 
So uh, then we go kind of go woo woo on things, but <laughs> you're having a conversation with this inanimate object. But the reality is, it does have a personality. It's got a most important line. There's there's things going yeah. on there. There's Did- a flow of information that is that is constant. So our job is to ask questions of that piece, and and the answers to those questions. It's not like right or wrong answers, but that give us guidance to as to what kind of decoration was going to look good in that. So you have a harmony between the lines of the the of the, of the space to be filled and the decoration that's within that space. You had a question. Mm-hmm. Didn't Ron didn't Ron say that he uh, he would put a, a piece on his engraving bench for two or three months? just looking at it, getting the energies off of it. Right. And, uh, it sounds archy, archy. Oh, that's what, that? that's what, uh, um, Mark Drain just said earlier in a conversation we had with him. He does the same thing. He's not, he's right. gonna, not going to articulate it in the same way, but what I've done is come up with a, a black and white set of questions. These are the questions that I need to ask of this space. And, and, and that's, uh, it's, there are questions that I've been asking of my, of myself and the work that I'm doing for years and years. It's just that, oh, about three years ago, I finally wrote them down. Well, when I wrote them down, then they became concrete. And then I crossed over from this ethereal, abstract, you know, weird conversation that I'm having in my head to a, it became less artsy and more of a science. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and uh, those questions, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, I've unpacked some of that stuff on Patreon and stuff. And I, and I do have um, plans here within the next little while is to develop that further for, for my folks on there is to through video text, still pictures and stuff. What is it? that I'm actually getting at here. So, and, and then when you go from there, you've, you, you, when I first hit you with, you got to have a main construction line, there was pushback, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, you were kind of deep it into was the totally construction. You, you, you were gesture drawing. It's all about gesture drawing, which, which that, yeah. that's that vibe, you know, that feel of it, that loose, you know, freedom that we have with gesture, that gesture drawing gives us. That's very important, but it, so we need to hang on to that, keep keep that kind of vibe going, but but um, be able to to map some main construction lines because for me, good design starts with a certain amount of movement, and that's that's partly mm-hmm. a, a taste kind of thing. I love I love um, you know to see movement within my designs. Um, you know, there's, there's some really good toolers out there, some really good designers in leather and, and in, uh, in, in the silver world that mm-hmm. not, not a lot of flow, uh, but, but still good design, but that's my personality. I like to see movement. And so I'm trying to come up with main construction lines within my, my decoration itself that are complementary to the, to the outside lines. The main lines that I see of the space to be filled, uh, and I'll tell you where the where the kickback came. It wasn't kickback, but it was I had to redo my mind. So, as an engraver, what I learned to do first was the backbone of the scroll. That was the outside edge of everything that would happen inside of it. Everything mm-hmm. happened inside of that. So. So when you started putting lines down there in the middle of your paper that were nowhere close to borders, but created a movement and path for things to happen around, I was like, oh my gosh, I was so used to looking at that as my outside boundary of the leaf and scroll and everything that happened is that was what I was like, oh no, how do I, how do I think about this? And and then as we both know, it's extremely important to fill your space that you're, that you, that you're designing within your canvas. And if you, if you don't, if you don't take the outer edge of a leaf all the way to a border, now all of a sudden you have a ton of negative space that sometimes 
most of the time has to be filled with something. And you're like, oh, so that was where I was having to redo my brain. And I still fight it a little bit because of the old habits. But, um, I'm, you know, what, 10 years later, I'm much better at it. Or not 10, 20, huh? <laughs> 20 years later. Well, it takes time to assimilate new concepts. I mean, it you, you get ha- yeah. hit flat-footed with ideas. It takes a while. I mean, I when I went to France with Pedro in '09, it took me years, literally years, to incorporate some of that. I'm still kind of getting my head around some of that stuff. Uh, call me a slow learner or whatever, but I think most people are. It just takes a while to get your head around concepts in order to make make use of them. So, mm-hmm. and that's what when we teach stuff, we we think, well, I've said it already, said that before. But sometimes you got to say it over and over and over again in order and unpack it in different ways so that people can get latch onto it and make use of it. I have to do it over and over again, right? And it's like I and it makes me mad that I can't just grasp it. But it's back to maybe our conversation with Nate. I think he was talking about the numbers, your body of work behind you. Are you creating a body of work that helps you learn and teach and not teach? But if you don't have a a body of work behind you, you're probably not learning that much. It takes a lot of repetition and Mm -hmm. and visualization to make it stick. Well, the right information to to get off on the right foot is critical. Uh, because you, like we've said before, I think John Ennis says you can, you can get the wrong technique, the wrong advice and set yourself back years. And mm-hmm. that is certainly can happen. So getting off on the right foot and not have to correct some bad habits and, and, and bad habits are going to come along. I mean, we're all going to oh, yeah. fall off the horse one side or the other. So, it, so we do need to recognize the human element of the whole thing, but but the less corrective measures that you that that you have to execute, <laughs> you're you're going to shorten up the learning curve. You don't have to so, unlearn something. So to to talk about our drawing and our gesture drawing and now our habits, it all bleeds into one thing. Don't get so fixated on one particular thing. Be flexible. Allow the pencil to move around the paper and get mm-hmm. out of bounds a little bit. And, and do the same thing with our with our habits as 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 people too. Is is uh, allow yourself to to make a mistake, but don't don't get stuck on it. Right? Don't get stuck on one particular thing. One Absolutely, particular and that that's really. I mean, if you were to reduce the whole gesture drawing concept down to one element, you just said it. I think it's it's allowing yeah. you freedom. And uh, freedom on yeah, paper freedom. That, that is, as you've said many, many times, paper is cheap, folks. And uh, yeah. you can throw it away. You can start the next morning's fire with that paper. Uh, this is a low risk kind of a deal. <laughs> you mm-hmm. can explore a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and that's where that's one of the one of the big obstacles I see with with my students is that we've been taught to draw within the lines. You know, you ever all of the, mm-hmm. the rest of our world wraps around rules. You know, you you step into mm-hmm. a round corral with this young horse and stuff and well you can do some things and get yourself killed. Uh, you don't abide by the traffic laws. <laughs> you, you can yeah. die. Yeah. You, you can kill somebody else. I mean, our our world, yeah. or or you click on the wrong thing. And I I I had two clip film clips on this. I was gonna get edited up when I'm on the onto uh, my Patreon page, and Bing, there went two of them. I inadvertently uh, deleted a couple of them, and. So everything uh-huh. we do is kind of these very, very clear boundaries. Can't do this, do that. Well, gesture drawing just blows all of that out of the water, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 so with contemporary art, they, uh, they, they, they did away with dynamic symmetry and the root rectangles and, and uh, some of the stuff that was done in the Renaissance, you know, and, and, 
the, the Romans were using to create good design, um, it was too confining for them, right? It was too many rules, and it doesn't allow you to, it doesn't allow you to articulate yourself and speak freely. You know, freedom of speech. I can say what I want to and do what I want to. But like you said, if you don't abide by the traffic laws, you can kill yourself. And that's what's happened to a lot of modern art, in my opinion, is they just go out there blindly going around and they don't know the rules. Now, if you know the rules, then you know how to break the rules and you know how to articulate yourself in ways that you never dreamed of. If you will have guidelines, not boundaries, but guidelines. Do I create mm-hmm. boundaries mm-hmm. around my canvases? Mm-hmm. All the time, dynamic symmetry and the and the root rectangles, and which is mathematically defining a shape that is pleasing to the eye. What you do within that shape, you can do whatever the hell you want, but you start out mm-hmm. with a guideline, not a boundary, a guideline to play and articulate in, and do your gestures and your free pencil and get lines the bit. You know that you were talking about the lines of the silver and the canvas, which made the bit the. The the center part of the thing was the focus. I just went to drawing. I had my guidelines to go within that I had to fit within. I just went to flying around with lines. I'm like, whoop, there it is. That's cool. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was playing around, right? And then it all happened. I'm like, huh, here we go. There you go. Well, the gesture drawing is well, just a means so, to an end. It's it's a it's a way to get to yes. uh Fitting within those guidelines, the, you know, fill in dedicated space, the harmony, the compatibility, all that kind of stuff. Gesture drawing just li- liberates you to, to, to go there in order to get there incrementally. And that's what you mm-hmm. said. Your critique of modern art is that, you know, this free form, you know, Jackson Pollock, random drippings mm-hmm. and paintings that are mm-hmm. worth millions and stuff like that. I guess we're the fools. We ain't getting millions mm-hmm. for what we're doing, but. But that mm. that that has no framework. It is very little. Maybe somebody would argue that point. But but uh, you know, standing back and throwing paint at a canvas and calling that art—that's taking it to an absurdity in the other direction. We're not yeah. talking about that at all. Uh, we do work within <laughs> frameworks. Yeah, you know, that's just the beginning stages. And and mm-hmm. uh, if you want to stand standing- back and throw some. Yeah, if you just want to stand back and throw paint at a canvas, perfect. Let it roll. But that's the beginning. That's a long yep. race from the end to me. But, I mean, whatever. They they got a sales pitch and I think good glass of wine and some fancy cheese and maybe they get it all sold. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we so, dove off into some deep water here, partner. Uh, we have. Welcome to yeah. our conversations. So what about Patreon, right? I mean, I, I think uh, – this is what we do on Patreon, right? In a lot of ways, this is this is what we're articulating, and and you know, Carrie, one one side note to something that I'm kind of I've I've started talking about in the last year or so, but um, Patreon is focused towards our peers at the moment, um, other craftsmen. But if you're going to spend nine thousand dollars on a bit that I made. You're, you have some responsibility in, in knowing what it is that you're looking at and why you're spending $9,000. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value for certain collectors. If you are serious and understanding what's going on there, like why am I spending $9,000 on a bit that I can spend 375 from Jim at the feed store, right? Or his website is like, why am I spending that much more money on something like this? Well, the better you understand what's going on and, and ask questions, compare, look at other people's work, right? And, and, and everybody has their taste and their style. But the more you're aware of what's going on and how the story has been told within those canvases as a collector, um, the better off you'll be, I believe. Like the more educated you'll be in like the knife world, and the and the firearms world, the super high end collectors that are spending one hundred fifty thousand dollars on a shotgun, not all of them, but a lot of them, certainly understand what it is they're looking at and why an inlay is good, why the lines on a saddle match and don't match, and the and the tooling that's going on there. Are they are they artists and craftsmen? Can they execute the things the way we do? Well, no. 
but they can understand what it is they're looking at, right? And and uh, so I would I would encourage collectors that are out there, not that you have to nerd out on it the way we do, but I think there's a lot of information that could be gained, an understanding that could be gained by by viewing some of these things that we have. One of the most popular shows, I've seen it a few times, I'm not a big TV watcher, but how it's made. Isn't it on the Learning Channel? Mm-hmm. Or the, no, is it the, the History whatever? Channel? History Channel, History. that's where it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, yeah, I love watching that kind of stuff. If you want to jump in, the water's warm. Uh, you you can get a lot of information on how it's made. And then a lot of, like, like Willie said, the background of... Uh, not only how we do it, but why we do it. And uh, sure, you start peeling layers back. And you're right. It, I, I mean, we've talked about it before. We, uh, knife enthusiasts, the gun aficionados, they, you know, there, there's your popular stuff. Your Holland and Holland, the Purdies, the all the, the, the. There's name recognition, right? There's there's uh, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a lot of marketing and branding that has created that. But that work, a lot of that work would stand on its own if there were no name attached to it. So exactly, that's what we're trying to do is to try to produce work, teach people um, what what it is to do smooth work, and uh, and also create inf- and information and information is power. Uh, so you take a look at well, a piece in our show or wherever it stands on its own, no matter who made it, because it yeah, is yeah. exquisite. I'm, I'm, I, um, am I going to take advantage of the collector? Not advantage. I don't like the word advantage. Um, am I going to give the collector the opportunity to buy my pieces that isn't going to take the time to truly know what's going on inside of my work? Well, sure I am. I'll be happy for them to buy some of my stuff. And and uh, um, so opportunity is the correct word there. I would absolutely give somebody the opportunity to buy any of my work, whether they know what it is they're looking at or not. And if their buddy said, Willie is the greatest bit guy out there, I want you to buy some of his stuff. And he says, cool, I'll do it. Here's 10 grand or nine grand for the bit. Well, hell yeah, I'm going to take it. Uh, take advantage, take the opportunity. Yeah, I'm going to allow that to happen. Of course I am. But, but. I also say that there's individuals out there that want to learn and truly understand what's going on. Um, here's a, here's a way for them to do it. Here's a way for you to mm-hmm. educate yourself because mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. Like, so I like long range shooting. Um, I have particular semi custom made rifles that were extremely expensive. I just saw that they were really good, right? I didn't get very deep into the deal. I don't have a clue why the damn rifle shoots the way it does. But my buddies told me, get one of these. So I did it, and I was happy to have it. But then buddies that told me, hey, this is is really good rifle, they tell me all this crap, and I promise you, I don't care. I don't want to nerd out that much, right? <laughs> it's just like, just tell me whether it shoots or not. And if it does, I'm good. So you collectors that don't want to nerd out on scrolls and why me and Carrie line our, put the canvas line. I get it. I totally get it. I understand. I ain't got time to figure out how, why my rifle shoots the way it does. I just want to know if it does. And so there's a place for everybody. Um, you don't have to be a nerd guru to appreciate and, and buy some of the things that we create, but. Here's a way to do it, right? Because I promise we all have somebody that we trust and the people that we trust are looking for ways to educate themselves. Patreon's a good way for us to do it. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever Patreon, do a self-critique? Pardon me? Do, do, do you ever do a self-critique of your work on Patreon for everybody to, to Yeah, hear? once in a while. And, I, you know, if I, if I screw a project up, I, we talk about it. Uh, everything's oh, yeah. happening to everybody. Everybody's going to screw up. You would think that yeah. maybe, maybe a lot of people think I'm at a place. You're at a place where screw ups don't happen. Well, <laughs> I'm here Wrong. to tell you that it's it's all a part of the game, and uh, so you just you swallow hard and you move on and stuff. So I get that on there too. What I was going to say too is is um, 
So Patreon is kind of a platform that it seems to me was designed for for artists, writers, photographers, uh, whatever uh, that that kind of category of people out there to get support, kind of crowdsourcing they call it support for what they do, um, and in part because it's not an easy thing to make a living at it. So. So they, people send them five bucks a month. And, you know, if you get a hundred people at five bucks a month, that's no small amount of money. That helps a lot to, to be able to sure. continue to do what they do. Well, we've, we've done that this differently. We're, our compelling interest and, uh, what we're trying to build is, is an information an educational platform for people, but there is opportunity if people want to jump in and, and, uh, support what we're doing because they believe in sure. what we're doing that's a way to do that and and for that matter we don't weren't this podcast is not monetized in any way we don't no. have advertisers no. we have nothing we 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 do have a little bit of outgoing money and some time involved but if any of you folks want to support this podcast uh you could throw five bucks in the plate in willie's or mine and uh, that kind of sounds yeah. like I'm asking for a handout. Well, I am, <laughs> but it's a way to support <laughs> well, things. It's just another way the, to support just, what we're doing. The the preacher says the baskets at the back of the room. If you want to give, right there it is. Yeah. But um, and it is what it is. I have a I have a tier on mine that's a dollar a month for that very purpose. Right, twelve dollars a year. Thanks, Willie. You did good. Right, that that's what it's about. And. uh yeah, it's. We've talked about getting a, a a Patreon page for the podcast, and I started to do it and couldn't figure out how to get off of mine to create a whole new deal. And I, I, maybe I should revisit that as a way to help. Yeah. But it, you know, but, you know, Gary, and and uh, me and you've me and you've had the conversation, and I I encourage and welcome comments on what I'm about to say, but what the hell are we doing right here? We are on this podcast yabbering away <laughs> costing me however many hours a week. And it's costing you more than me. Cause you're the one editing and downloading and putting it all out there. And, and it's, you're forking out the, the dough for the platform. So I'm free loading off your butt. Give to carry before you give to me. How's that? But, <laughs> but it, it's a, uh, like, what's the purpose? What the hell are we doing here? I don't need to just hear myself talk, but I've been you and, and Mike and Mike Skinner and, and a lot of other people say, hey, you're doing good. There's a lot of people that, that are really enjoying what y'all are talking about and, and how you're sharing what's going on. And, and I, you know, the I, I'm a big fan of our guests and them getting to tell their story and and uh, be real people, right? Uh, Ernie last week and, and, uh, and Nate. You know, the last two that we've done, they're just, they're great guys. And both of them are quiet, stay at the house, ranch, do the things that they do. And to get to share them is, is awesome. But man, if you're liking what we're, what we're doing here, yeah, yeah, of course I'd appreciate a dollar, but it ain't about that really. It's, it's like, if you appreciate, if you appreciate what's going on then yeah, maybe we should, it'd be good to hear that in a, in a lot of ways because, uh, Again, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. To be honest, <laughs> I really don't. But I don't know of our, I don't know of our, our purpose, right? I'm not, I don't. I've designed silver around a bit. I'm trying to make a, an impression across the arena. Well, I'm, this is a little new territory for me in a lot of ways. It's your fault. Why am I here? I know. It's. Uh, I I should. Uh, I'll accept the thanks or the blame. Either way. Don't matter to me. <laughs> well, thank you, buddy. I mean, I really do. I, I have enjoyed this, and and uh, and I and I hear that other people do too. So, you know, that's yeah. cool. Well, we're we're creeping up on eleven thousand total downloads, and and our followers are growing. I think uh, by the time this lands here, in uh, last couple of days of the month we're gonna we could be the most downloads per month we've had so that's all cool awesome well awesome. sir well let's our uh, guest got, call it a day guess, and, and 
I was just going to say, we we did plan on having a guest today, and then our guest got sick, and and we hope they get to feeling better. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Now there'll be another day. day. Yep. All right, amigo. Take care. Don't let them get on you. See you soon.